You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, today we are going to be discussing repentance, a place of rest and freedom, and just unpacking the whole idea of what repentance is scripturally, what that means for us as believers, and the rest and the freedom that really comes from living a life of repentance. I am here with Pastor David Robinson and Pastor Byron Burton again uh, for another episode of Gospel Centered Rest. How are you gentlemen doing? Anybody want to say anything profound before we get started? No, I don't want to heighten people's expectations. (laughs) Well, what, you, you of know, what might is, happen on this it podcast. It is May the 4th, right? So you got to <laughs> oh. say, may the 4th be with you. Okay. All right. I, I will let you say that, <laughs> Everybody can celebrate by watching Star Wars later. Hmm. Hmm. Though you do not need to agree with their theology. <laughs> no, you don't. But theology we say you should agree with is that of the Bible. Yeah, and here. so we're going to turn there right wow. now. Nice job. To... Um, what the Bible has to say about repentance. Now, on Sunday, David, you kind of opened up the discussion through Acts chapter 8 on repentance because we've got two very different pictures of of what repentance looks like. Uh, we've got uh, Simon who seemingly, by all intents and purposes, if we were looking at that, like, oh, he looks, he seems like he's repentant. He seems like he's a sorry fellow. Um, and then we've got uh, the Ethiopian eunuch who truly is repentant. Mm-hmm. And we notice that uh, that his repentance results in in action and humility and all these things. So, would you mind just spending a moment, just opening up our discussion, and maybe just hitting on some of those things that you had talked about on Sunday? Yeah the the idea of um, false faith or um, you know a lack of genuine faith is found in other places in Scripture. Uh, so what what we read here isn't, and and I understand that some people might take, even take a different view on of Simon. Um, some people see it as he's wrestling with his faith rather than having false faith. Um, I would, I, I just think the way that the passage lays itself out, and, and especially Peter's comments um, and and Simon's comments. I mean, he had power; he wanted power. Uh, Peter saying, "You need to repent; like you're in trouble." Um, and again, that can. That can be said of believers who are playing around with sin and just really not taking repentance seriously. We 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 genuinely need to take our faith and repentance seriously. Um, but it, it would seem to me that this is more. He didn't get it. Um, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't understand. He just. He wanted Christ plus, um, not Christ um, with change. And so I, I think that's that's what's taking place. For example, you, you think of the parable of the soils or the sower. Um, some fell on rocky ground, some fell among the weeds and the worries of the life, persecution, uh, the pleasures of life. They just, they fall away. Um, everything looked genuine. And even for Simon, he, he you know, said he believed, he was baptized. Um, so even... even um, uh, we have to affirm the baptism or affirm the belief, and that's affirmed through repentance. So it's a genuine warning for us today that um, not to not to shrink the gospel and make it really shallow. Like if you just believe um, everything's okay, believe, faith, and repentance, turning from our sin, turning towards 
um, a life in Christ is is serious and it's it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that even answered the question. No, that's great. Okay, that really opens things up, mm-hmm. um, things up for our discussion. Byron, would you add anything to to those to those comments? It's just so practical. Mm-hmm. We deal with this constantly, and to take the Bible and live it out. These are people you're going to know. These are people you're going to care about. That are they believers? Well, they profess that they believed and. Maybe they were baptized, but how are they living now? Where is their heart? Where are their actions? You know, other parts like James talks about, don't just talk your faith, live it. Where are your deeds? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the reality of true repentance, how does it show itself? Is it a one-shot deal? Does it go on from there? And, and as David mentioned on Sunday, you know, that whole idea of worldly sorrow versus a godly sorrow, and mm-hmm. how does it demonstrate itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's it's so practical. Uh, because, I mean, you might hear a sermon like Sunday morning or even our discussion today and say, well, you're just depressing Christians, and for especially the, the um, you know, maybe the newer Christians or Christians who are just really struggling, you're just going to depress them, and you're going to cause them to wander away from their faith because... They, mm-hmm. you know, they they just have, you're creating so much doubt. But I think that's the beauty is, and that's the beautiful thing about why Simon and the Ethiopian eunuch are together is because when the Bible challenges our faith, the Bible has this profound way of building up our faith yes. rather than tearing it down. Yes, sure. But if we're not believers, it has this profound way of challenging our faith where, um, where we actually know that we need to deal with it mm-hmm. um, and and uh, in a way that we will almost walk away from it, which will ex- which is a very gracious thing in a sense because it exposes that mm-hmm. maybe we're not believers and maybe we haven't understood the gospel like we should understand the gospel. For example, when Simon says, um, you pray for me, Peter. Yeah. Uh, I, I found that I found that striking because it sounds religious. It sounds mm-hmm. good. Um, but it is such a dangerous place because in contrast to the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, he says, it's almost like, I have to deal with this. Um, and again, I understand, like in, in our Christian walk and in our sanctification, we do not always deal with our sins. So there's other passages that have other application. This isn't the only thing that's said. Um, but Simon, um, at, at a most foundational level, um, gives us a warning and the warning hopefully leads us to the eunuch, which goes back to Isaiah 53, which is an amazing picture, one of the most clear pictures in the Old Testament of the gospel of Jesus. And then when we read the gospel of Jesus, we're asking the question, who is this? And that's what happened. Um, that's how Jesus invades our life. Like all of a sudden we're living without Jesus present in our sin. Um, we're awakened and we ask the question, who is this? And when we see the mm-hmm. preciousness of Jesus, it builds up our faith. And in the building up of our faith, it says, man, like by God's grace, I have things to change in my yeah. life. I cannot live this way in front of my wife, or I cannot live this way in front of my friends or my children or the church or, or our communities and, and culture. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful how they work together. And on, and on Sunday, you had mentioned 
that repentance and faith are kind of two sides of the same coin. Yeah. That's that that's right, right? That's that's, that's right. what you said. Yeah. And I think that that's such an important point to make because I think there's a lot of confusion even within the church about what repentance is. Like you'll go to some churches that won't even use the word, mm-hmm. um, but they'll use words like faith and belief. And, um, and I remember talking to certain individuals that, I wouldn't say like they're against using the word, but they're like, well, like why would I use that word when throughout the book of John there's something like 200 instances of Jesus saying believe. He doesn't say the words repent and only, you know, these few instances of the words of the word repent being used. Um, but I think it's an important point to make that, that when Christ is making the call for us to believe in the son, to believe in him for salvation, um, that's a, that's a call to faith and that faith, repentance, belief and repentance, two sides of the same coin, because when you're truly placing your faith in Christ, you're placing your faith in God. That means you're turning from what you have been placing your faith in, whether it's your good works or whether it's just a false gospel or false understanding of who Jesus is, who God is, what the gospel is. But you are now turned, repented, turned into Christ, believing the truth about who he is. Yeah, if you you could imagine putting that just in a relationship mm -hmm. where repentance was a bad word, Like you never had to change in front of your wife or in front of your kids, your behavior or your emotions Mm -hmm. or your anger. It would be devastating. Of course, we want to repent when it comes to our human relationships. We do it often, even though we may not call it repentance. But at the same time, um, and this, this is partly building on what like a few weeks ago with Stephen, repentance is so offensive. (laughs) But it, 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 it was the message of, um, it was the message of the, the early church. It's the mm-hmm. message of Scripture. We need repentance. And faith is offensive. I think we'll talk a bit about this this coming Sunday morning, but faith is extremely offensive because you're basically saying, um, you can't believe in yourself. You can't believe in your goodness. You need someone else to trust um, for your salvation. That is extremely offensive to our generation. Um, and... and uh, Repentance is is as offensive because, as you mentioned, it's saying you're headed the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, the Bible um, talks about a righteousness. Uh, mm-hmm. You're not living righteousness. So Stephen says that at the end of his speech um, mm-hmm. to the religious leaders, and the re- religious leaders stone him. It's so offensive. He basically, the, his last words were, um, you can't even perform the law. You need faith. And before that... Um, he was calling them to to come to Christ. You need to repent from your sin um, and your goodness, uh, and you need to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Repentance, faith, um, so necessary, but we resist it. Mm-hmm. Now, Byron, why would we say that repentance is a place of rest and freedom? Um, what would you say to the person that says, well, when I think of repentance, um, I just get afraid. I, I get afraid. If It's like if people knew... Uh, about what I'm doing or what I've done. Um, that doesn't sound like a place of rest and freedom to me. That just sounds like a, uh, like a scary place. And I just don't want to go there. Why would we say that it is a place of a place of rest, a place of freedom? The analogy that comes to mind is about, um, if you're in the water and you're drowning, you can go ahead and keep on working at it and you can Mm -hmm. keep pretending that you're not drowning but it's a pretty draining, exhausting experience. And if a boat is right there and saying, you can't keep doing this, 
You need to admit that you can't keep doing this. You need to decide that you don't have the strength. You're not a good enough swimmer. Whatever terms we want to put on it, get into the boat and rest. Mm -hmm. And I think when we come to Jesus, we're recognizing that we don't have the strength. We have to mm. turn, like you said, a new direction. Well, it's really hard to go in a new direction if you keep in the exact same way that you were doing before. You must turn, which has to admit you're going in the wrong direction to begin with. You know, So yes, it's hard, but to admit, to, to accept reality, yeah. and if we're feeling exhausted as we're trying to cover up and we're trying to do better and we're trying to do all these sorts of things, the rest that comes with saying, Jesus takes care of that. Yeah. Jesus forgives me and accepts me on the basis of faith, not on the basis of how hard I work, but it's what he's done. What, what a relief that is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the Bible uses that term, rest. Yeah. I, I, like, I like what you just said, Byron, because when we think of repentance, we often think about what we're turning away from. Mm -hmm. So we're turning away from, you know, even attractive sins, things that we gravitate towards that we honestly do not want to give up because they bring some sort of relief or pleasure or vindictiveness against someone else or whatever else it might be. Yep. Um, and as, as you mentioned, uh, it's the focus in repentance is m more on who we're turning to. So we're turning to all that we have in Christ, all his riches, his kingdom, um, his blessings. And, even when it's a struggle and we think, oh, life was so much simpler, <laughs> you know, when, when I was back in Egypt, uh, or if I could only go back to Egypt, to my slavery, um, because there was a simplicity to that. Yep. Now we turn to Christ, and it's, but it's in Christ that we find that rest. And that's, I think that's often the, the missing part of repentance. It's not what we're turning from. It is, but it's even more, what are we turning, who are we turning to? And um, that's where we find this, this new life.